Metal Gear is an MSX classic and an NES dud. It's Amigos, episode 324. Hi everybody, welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Metal Gear. All right. But before we get into Metal Gear, you know, Aaron, uh, we are streaming on a very special evening tonight. We are streaming on Twitch on Wednesday night uh, in support of Extra Life. Today is the main day where most people that do Extra Life streams get it going. Of course, our big event, Amigathon, took place last July, but we realized there might be some people out there that were waiting for the official Extra Life Day of Gaming to donate. So if at any point during our stream this evening uh, you'd like to uh, toss some money over to the Children's Miracle Network hospitals through Extra Life, just check out our link bit.ly slash Amigathon 2021. It's right there. It'll be right down there at the bottom of the screen throughout the course of the show. Uh, And in lieu of the Patreon song, this evening, Aaron, I'll be reading all of the donations that came in over the course of the show at the end of the show. So it's a win-win. Sick kids get help, and you don't have to listen to a Patreon song this week. All right, that's worth donating for, my friend. <laughs> all right, Aaron. Now we should probably kick things off before we get into Metal Gear by giving everybody a rundown of what's been going on in the wide world of Amiga this week. Amiga news. All right, Aaron, we're going to kick things off with a video from the one, the only, 10-minute Amiga retrocast. That's right, Doug, he has gone and he has come back. This is the Ami West 2021 trip report. You've been waiting to talk about this one, haven't you, Bo? I've been chomping at the bit to talk about this. (laughs) You know, I'm really glad that Doug uh, took this trip. You know, he drives something like 17 to 19 hours to get to this thing. This is not close to where he lives in Arizona. Um, and, uh, and he, he gives you a really nice rundown of the event. You know, you kind of get a feel of what it must be like to be hanging out at the event space with the crowd over there. And, um, you know, it's, I've got to say after watching this event, it was what I thought it would be. You know, the, uh, I, I have never been to an American Amiga event before. Right. Um, you know, I've only been to Amiga Ireland. I've been there a couple times. And uh, it is, it's a different sort of vibe. You get a different sort of vibe. I'm not saying one is better than the other, but I will say this, the the American event, definitely more subdued. Uh, there's less of a sort of a party atmosphere. I think that that's probably due to the, I saw there was a distinct lack of boozery at Ami West, yeah. uh, w- which, uh, which, you know, definitely, uh, had probably had an effect on the, on the proceedings, but it also seemed to be a much bigger place. Uh, you know, this looked to be about the size of the, uh, Amiga Ireland event from 2020 versus 2019, a little bit more spread out the crowd, a little bit older, a little bit grayer. Um, you know, the, I think we've talked about before the average age of your Amiga user in the U S or in the, in Europe, in the UK, probably about 10 years younger than the average uh, Amiga user in the States. Uh, and you definitely see that here. There's definitely uh, s- some 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 grayer heads, I would say. Um, not nearly as much of a gaming presence here. There was, I think, one game competition where they're talking about a pinball game. 
But other than that, it's all hardware all the time, baby. So if you're a hardware fanatic and you love looking at accelerator cards and, and cracking machines open and doing stuff like that, it seems like Ami West would be the place for you. Um, it, it was interesting to see the difference. Now, Aaron, I know that you haven't been to either of these in person, but you have seen the videos from both events. That's what right. were your thoughts? Well, I would agree. This one, uh, the Amy West definitely looks more like a more calmer affair mm -hmm. uh, than, and from what you told me about the, the shenanigans up in Ireland, that did not seem calm. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a different. Now, I will say this: uh, this uh, Amy West versus your trip. It's amazing that you got over to Ireland right before the pandemic hit, if you'll recall. And so this is like a one of the first post-pandemic events, right? And one thing we know for certain is that the numbers were affected just on the basis of the lack of people that were able to come in from Canada. Mm -hmm. You couldn't have any Europeans come in that apparently some do, you know, sort of like you did when you went there. Right. Uh, so I'm sure that played a factor in it. Uh, you know, when you went to Ireland, that there was a hardware boom, but not like now, where it's just like hard, there's crap coming out every day, it seems like, for the Amiga and the hardware front. And so uh, maybe that plays a little part in it. I don't know how much, I don't know how many merch sellers there were uh, when you were up in Ireland, but there was, it looked like there was a lot of people that were sponsoring this event. So well, yeah, and I, I think that's, that is, that is another big thing that's different is that the, uh, Amiga Ireland, I think they, they almost go out of their way to not really attract, uh, people selling crap. It's definitely more of a, let's get together, you know, have a good time, have a few drinks and play some games mm -hmm. versus, you know, the sort of like trade show, like atmosphere of something like this. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think with the boom in, in hardware, I think it's just uh, there's a lot of people that want to show off some awesome stuff. I mean, Doug took like 37 Amigas there with him, you mm -hmm. know, so he took a ton of stuff. You got guys selling stuff. You got guys making stuff and working on stuff here. So this seemed like it was a little more tech based in terms of like that sort of thing. But again, I, not being in Ireland, it's just me guessing. Uh, but all that said, uh, this looked like it would be interesting. Uh, I'm sure the I'm sure some wackery went down in the after parties. Maybe at the banquet. You know, That's where all the know. wackery was. Why do you think, boat that the uh, the European crowd is so much is the average age is so much younger? Is it because the Amiga hung on there longer? Yeah, that's that's exactly what it was. The Amiga hung on there longer. You know, the the price of PCs was just so much more expensive over in Europe than it was in the in the states. You know, you talk to countless people and they tell you that's exactly the reason is that people just didn't they didn't go out and buy PCs because they were too expensive. And so you had kids and and you know, obviously the consoles were not nearly as much of a factor uh, in Europe as they were here. So you had kids that were my age that were all about consoles versus kids that you know were my age in Europe. They, you know, the NES and stuff like that wasn't really a part of their life by and large. They were all lusting after Amigas, and that's what yeah. it all comes down to. I think something else that Doug mentioned. I saw a lot of people were talking about this, where the proliferation of proliferation of uh, Raspberry Pis and Misters that yeah. were in the mix. This is something I remember in your video from Ireland, as I recall, someone there having a Raspberry Pi near Amiga was like a real novelty. Uh, uh, and and here there were a bunch of people that had special setups like that so that's something that's really matured in the couple years uh since you were over there or the year and eight months or however long it's been uh, yeah so, the mister the mister was not i mean the mister was out but it wasn't really the force that it is yeah. now you did see some raspberry pies but by and large it was you know 99 percent all original hardware and again 
you know, it just has to do with, you know, people. Well, in a, and also, uh, you know, the majority of the people that were coming to this. I don't know. It's hard to say, you know, what was the average distance traveled by, you know, people at Amy West versus in Ireland. But the distances were just so protracted. I mean, seven, a 17 hour drive from uh, Ireland, you'd, you'd be in like Moscow or something like that. So the, the, the distance is, is much less protracted there. Would you want to speculate, Boat, on the what the Ireland show drew in terms of how many people you figure were there? We talking a hundred, oh, hundreds? Where do you, no, where do you put it? Less no, than I wouldn't 100? say. I wouldn't say hundreds. I would say the second year it probably. I would say. I don't know. People in chat can back me up. I'd say maybe between a hundred and two hundred the second mm-hmm. year and the first year. Well, see, they cap it at a certain number of tickets too. Yeah, which is different. But I, and then I think between probably I'd say between 50 and 100 on the, the first year, the first year was a lot smaller. But again, because they capped the tickets because they had such a small space. Right. I, I, I'm pretty sure I re- I heard that this drew a, a little over 50 people, give or take. And so that's going to be part of it, too. You're not going to have you get that big room. So it's a lot. It looks more, a little more sparse than you would expect with right. you know, but the numbers were there. And again, well, I think we can go back to the fact that we just had uh, it's they're just coming. The, the, this sort of thing's just coming back after a, what's been a real bad couple years. So I suspect I know the people that run this were very happy uh, and it should be uh, with the turnout and the way it went down. And I think you're going to see this uh, get back. I think people are going to get back into these things in a big way. I know we are really looking forward to getting out there. Yeah. Uh, a couple, and so. Uh, I, I suspect that in the next few years, these things are going to grow exponentially, especially since the Amiga's become a lot more accessible to your average guy. Even mm-hmm. if you don't have a bunch of money, you know, you could whack a few bucks out and have something cooking pretty easy these days uh, on the Amiga. It's not like it was when we first started fiddling with it back in the day, but we were just struggling. I mean, you could really get in there and go. So I think the accessibility uh, is going to go a long way. Plus, I think you're seeing more Americans get into it than you know, back in the day, I think there's a little more presence. There, of it, so. it's it's so much easier with the things like you know the uh, the the Pi, the Pi Mega, the Mister, to just have these turnkey emulation solutions that are still you know you're carrying a piece of hardware with you. People people like having a box that does a certain thing, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. Absolutely. So this looked great. I'm glad Doug shot this because I really I watched some of the live stream. You know, but a lot of the live stream was sort of idle when I was there. So there wasn't, they were just, mm-hmm. they just said like, you know, we'll be back. And so I didn't get to, I felt like I wasn't quite in the mix like I was in Ireland. So right. it was nice to have Doug go around with the camera and catch this footage. And I, I think the, that's, that's, that's another thing too, is that I don't know if they had somebody whose job it was. Like when I went over to Ireland, that was my main, my main goal was to bring people into the show that couldn't be there. And I don't know if they had somebody set aside who's that was their job. And so, you know, if we ever get boat fest cooking, Aaron, that's going to be something that we need to think about because we want to make sure that anybody in our international Amigos community that can't make it, we want to put them right in the heart of the action. Boat fest is going to pretty much be all on you, boat, because I'll be having a little bit of the, I'll be having a little bit of the bubbly that we, ah, you, I don't believe it. Yeah. I'm just telling you, (laughs) don't expect me to do anything. There you go, boat. All right. Well, uh, we move on down the line. Now, we've got a new work in progress video from the, uh, you know, this is, of course, the year of the uh, Amiga port, the uh, yeah. arcade port, the Amiga. This is Jackal, Aaron. Jackal is a game that I never played in the arcades, but I played a heck out of on the old NES. And uh, this Amiga version is really coming along well, don't you think? Yeah, I love Jackal. 
I used to play it on the NES and in the arcade. You get your two Jeeps out there, and you and you run around. It's sort of like a, a rolling commando or something. Is the yeah, best way to absolutely. And, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, it's fun. Fun to play multiplayer on it. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. The control mechanisms, it's sort of Robotron-esque in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's just it's a cool game, and this looks great. I didn't see this coming either, Boat. Uh, so yeah. I'm very excited about this. This just popped up in the last few weeks, and of course, Saberman was there to uh, to get some footage of this thing. So it should be fun. I don't know if there's an ETA on this, uh, but it looks like it's well in. You can see that by the uh, what you're looking at on the screen if you're watching at home. Uh, they've mm-hmm. got they've got it going. They've got the prisoner aspect there with the all the everything's moving around. You know, it looks good. So I'm yeah, looking. Yeah, and this, to this is one. actually this is actually playable in its current in its current state as well. Yeah, you can head over to nisogames.itch.io. Uh, you can find the link to this YouTube video on the uh, the the news link up there in the upper right corner of the screen, uh, yeah. and uh, you can download and uh, try out this work in progress demo for yourself. Yeah, it looks real good though. I, I'm I was quite pleased. You know, I, I you know we mentioned I mentioned this last week when me and Brent were doing the uh, uh, new 16-bit episode of ARG. When you look at the new stuff coming out, and it was a barren desert for a long time with the Amiga, and we complained a lot, Bode. Despite mm-hmm. our inability to change things because we're too dumb, but <laughs> right. smarter people than us heard the clarion call boat, and they have went out and they're cranking up the goodness on the Amiga, and we're of course we're going to be talking about some today. But it's very exciting, boat. I, 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 it's 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 a great year uh, for the Amiga uh, homebrew scene. I can't absolutely. wait. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Aaron, let's move on. Now, this is a video from our good good friend Dan Wood, and he has put together. Uh, a retrospective on deluxe paint on the yeah. Amiga. Now, if you recall, one of our earliest episodes, we uh, we interviewed a guy named Paul Shaw uh, to talk about deluxe paint because guess what? We don't know crap about deluxe paint, yeah. Aaron. That's not our bag. Well, we do know Dan. Yeah. Uh, Dan uh, uh, is great. Retro Hour, he's, him and Ravi have been doing it for a while. Dan always does great stuff, Boat. And when I saw this pop up, I was like, this looks like a lot of fun. It's a good idea, too, because, uh, listen, how many times have we mentioned D-Paint on this show? Like, every show, almost, yeah. seems like. You know, and it goes back, to, when you watch this, you you it, it, it triggers a lot of stuff, because a lot of the stuff in D-Paint, you saw the same images in magazines and ads, and you saw them over and over. And so when you see this stuff, it's stuff you remember. Like, I remember when I was just getting into the Amiga, seeing these little demos and seeing these little that little things that came with D paint. It's a trip down memory lane. Of course, Dan, like I said, is real good at, uh, at putting this sort of thing together as you, as he proved when we did Amigathon and he helped us out by uh, sending in some footage. So if you want to uh, step back and have a look at D paint on the Amiga, this, uh, you could do no better than Dan on the uh, D paint on the Amiga, a retrospective video. I would definitely check this out, everybody. And finally, Aaron, this is a video. I have not seen this one yet. This is uh, this comes to us from a YouTuber called Retro Gamer Nation. Yeah, and uh, this uh, tell us this about this a big one, deal. Man. Yeah. Uh, so this is just you know we were talking about all the stuff that got released. Uh, uh, Retro Gamer Nation is that he's a he's a a, a real well uh, well respected uh, YouTuber, and he just put together a little just a little compilation of some of the stuff that has came out this year. Including uh, Shadows of Sir Goth, which I, you'll recall that we talked about that one a while back. And boy, it looked really mm-hmm. good. 
The upcoming Devil's Temple, which we also talked about a couple of shows ago. This looks awesome, and it's I believe it's going to be shipping uh, at the – I think it's due to come out February of 22, so just in a few months. And this is looking real sharp, Boat. Look at that. That yeah. looks great. Uh, but this is just – uh, this is just RGN just going over some of the stuff that's been released this year or, or stuff that's coming out in the near future on the Amiga. He doesn't always do Amiga. He does C64. He does some console stuff. But I, I like his stuff, and I thought this would be, might be enjoyable for someone who's kind of been out of the loop to kind of go back and have a look at some of this stuff and see what uh, what you can go out and pick up or get for free. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Like So it's it's been a good year, and it's, and it's fixing to be a great year on the Amiga. Absolutely. And this is an excellent way to kind of review... And also kind of get into RGN stuff. He does a lot of good stuff. So if you get a chance, check it out. It's the Commodore Amiga Roundup. And the channel is called Retro Gamer Nation. Cool. All right, Aaron. It's time to talk about our favorite place to get all of our accessories and uh, repairs done for our Commodore computers. Let's talk about RetroRewind.ca, shall we? Yes, sir. Well, our good buddy Frank runs Retro Rewind up in Canada. Uh, if you're in North America and you're looking for any sort of action on your Commodore machine, you need to look no further than RetroRewind.ca. Uh, RetroRewind.ca has a, uh, a great selection of parts, replacement parts, and gizmos and gadgets uh, that you can use that are modern that for your Commodore machines and your Amiga, including stuff like the Kung Fu Flash, uh, Frank also offers a recapping service that's quite nice, very reasonably priced boat, and also uh, available if you want to do it yourself. You can get your cap kits and whatnot. So it's all there. All you need to do is go over to RetroRewind.ca, and if you do go there and purchase something, tell them what they can do with a special code, Boatster. Listen, man, no matter what you buy from Frank and the team, Put in that promo code AMIGOS10 at checkout, and boom, you're going to save 10% off your order. That's no small change, man. Mm -hmm. uh, you load up your cart with your Kung Fu Flash, a couple recap kits, maybe one of them uh, transit cards for your 1541. You pop love in that, Yeah, pop in that promo code, and yeah. away you go. Yeah, man. And Frank gets it done quick. And trust me when I tell you, this isn't some guy that thought it'd be cool to start a store. This guy's got decades and decades of highly publicized technical prowess. Absolutely. He's been on TV. He's a big deal. And he will take care of your machine like it's a precious little baby. That's RetroRewind.ca, Boat. We fully endorse the Frankster. He's a good guy. We do. All right, Aaron. We put this off long enough. Let's talk Metal Gear. Oh, man. Boat, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been, I've been looking forward to this one, uh, my friend, because... Metal Gear is a game that I actually had played before. At least I thought I had. Uh, back in the day when the Brent used to have his NES. And so I remember thinking, hey, this is kind of a neat game back in 1988 or whenever I played this originally. And so when I heard they were making an Amiga uh, port, which is not necessarily true, I'll get into that, uh, I was excited uh, to see if it was something that still held up with me because you know, I, don't, I only had a vague recollection of it. Of course... Everyone knows the Metal Gear franchise has went on to huge, enormous success, Boat. Mm -hmm. uh, so this was very exciting. Now, obviously, we're talking about what you can only describe as a reverse-engineered and modified uh, Metal Gear, uh, which just came out in around May this year 
Uh, and it was done by the uh, legendary uh, DJ, like musical master Hoffman, of all people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he went in and put some special touches in it. We'll get to that in a moment, uh, Boat. I want to talk about uh, the game, uh, uh, you know, the game itself, Metal Gear. And I asked you this on the before the show, and you sort of alluded to the, the fact that you had. Is this a game that you played on your NES back in the day? You're a big NES guy, and surely you played this. I probably put at least 100 hours into Metal oh, yeah? Gear when I was a kid. I played right. the heck out of this game. Uh, it was one of the... When I first got my Nintendo, uh, I got a stack of games. Uh, my mom had gone to a yard sale, and this is back when people just used to put out Nintendo games, like $5 a piece or something like that. Sure. And she got a big stack of them. And I remember this was one of the games along with Jackal. I had this, yes. uh, Jackal and Metroid were the games that I got along with Super Mario Brothers. That's a and, good lineup uh, right there. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really good lineup. And um, and so I played this. Uh, for In fact, one of the memories, whenever there's a two-hour delay for school, because, uh, you know, being a teacher, I still get those. Um, I uh, I think back to the time when I was in elementary school and uh, we were we were just getting ready to get into the car. And uh, and then all of a sudden it came on the TV, Putnam County Schools, two hour delay. And I was like, yes, I'm going to go play some more Metal Gear. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was that was the kind of grip that this game had a hold on me. Absolutely, man. So you were a, you were a big fan is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's interesting. Now. Uh, I learned a lot about Metal Gear this week. I'm going to share my knowledge, and I'm sure some, a lot of you already know this, but it was news to me. I thought it was interesting, Boat. So, of course, uh, the Metal Gear we all know and love in the States uh, was Metal Gear on the NES. That's where I played it. I had no idea, Boat, that this had also gotten released on the C64 or for DOS, among other places, and certainly I didn't know it had been released originally on the MSX2. I had no idea uh, about that. The fact that this was on the C64, I found baffling. I had no idea that that had been, and I went and looked at it. You know, pretty neat. But one that's thing news I, to me. Yeah, was that was that released contemporaneously with yes. the NES version? Yes, wow. absolutely. In fact, an Amiga version had been announced, but it never came to fruition. So presumably, they were going to uh, release along the whole slew of you know the home systems. Um, now, one thing I learned uh, aside from that is, of course, I played the NES version. This is just like you. Uh, now, of course, as I've gotten into this hobby more, you hear about things, and I'd heard that this was originally uh, done on the MSX2, which was the uh, very popular uh, Japanese computer system, and uh, that was you know, that had was in bed with uh, Microsoft and the whole nine yards, uh, which you don't hear a lot about of in the states, but in parts of Europe and in Japan, it was a much bigger deal. You know, the MSX is a pretty good rep. And little did I know that the MSX2, which got the original version of Metal Gear, also basically got a almost, I'm not going to say it's an entirely different game, but it is. there are vast differences in the two. And uh, having looked at both of the games, uh, it's not like they're not obvious. Uh, had you, did you know that the Nintendo version, I know you know that now, but were you aware of this back in the day that you were playing a different version than you know the original vision of this game? Oh, of course not. I had yeah. no idea. Did it's you not ha- like Nintendo? It's not like Nintendo Power was was making that 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 fact <laughs> known when I now, read the review. Did you know? I mean, but this time around, you surely knew. 
Oh, absolutely. I've known for a, a long, long time. I mean, since I sort of got involved with the retro gaming uh, community right. in the in the in the late '90s, uh, I was became aware that this Metal Gear was not the uh, the sanctioned Metal Gear. Yeah. In fact, you know, the the creator of Metal Gear, Hideo Kojima, uh, basically uh, is uh, you know he he doesn't consider the NES Metal Gear to be a game in the Metal Gear series at all. He's yeah. he's totally mm-hmm. washed it. From and it, it makes sense as I'm sure you're going to get into. Well, it's funny. Uh, yeah, I will. Why not do it now? Because of course, because he was a big man. He's got a big name, of course. Now, uh, but when this game came out, he hadn't even been with Konami for very long, and he took the Metal Gear series over from another guy. And they were whoa, looking whoa, for, whoa, whoa. Yeah, he took the he, Metal Gear was not his baby originally. He actually not the series, but the original game he took over from someone else. Really? Okay. Yes. Well, I heard it. I heard a different story. Okay. So I'll tell you the story that I heard. Okay. Go ahead. So Kojima was hired by Konami to uh, to code a game that was like Commando because uh, you know Commando was the hot the, the new hotness in the arcades. Yes. And they needed and in you know um, Kojima he wanted to work for um, Konami's uh, arcade division. But they didn't put him in the arcade division. They put him in the MSX division, their home division. Um, and because the uh, because a game like Commando couldn't really be done well on the MSX because of its lack of scrolling capabilities, he devised a system to have a game where you are a commando, you're running around and doing stuff, but instead of it being a run-and-gun game, it would be a game more like Castle Wolfenstein, where it was a, more of a stealth-like game. Yes. Okay? And uh, so he designed this game, and he designed the story. He came up with the, the story of a commando that is trying to destroy a nuclear-armed mech called Metal Gear. If he did not invent Metal Gear, that's news to me and news to lots of people. Yeah, well, you're, I, everything you said is exactly what I read. But what I had read is this game had actually began preliminary development when they brought him in. I now, was the name or the plot or anything settled? Who knows how far along it had went. But when he came in, uh, they originally this had been planned to be just like you said, like a commando sort of game. Uh, it's funny from what I read, and they quoted him from a magazine where he said, that the uh, when you triple the alarm in this, in his mind, he envisioned this to be like a Pac-Man, where you're mm-hmm. you're Pac-Man and the ghosts are the soldiers coming to get you through a maze. Well, I, I've got I've got some more information about that. So in its original form, he did not envision this game to have much of a combat element at all, if any. He wanted this to be a pure stealth experience. But the top brass at Konami, they were having none of it. They a, a game where you play as a commando and you don't engage with an opponent, nobody's going to want that. And so he devised this alert system where you do spend a, the, a big part of the game sneaking around, but uh, if you do happen to detect the attention of the guards, then, like you said, it goes into Pac-Man mode where they right. suddenly start to swarm you. And this is one of the, I mean, this is obviously Metal Gear's calling card. This whole alert system yeah. is something that was, t- I mean, it had never been done before uh, to this extent where, you know, you you hear a sound, the music changes, all of the enemy patterns change. Uh, very, very innovative for the time and still, you know, innovative today as is, is they continue to kind of refine it in all of the sequels and things. Do, you know, I'm going to agree with Konami on this, by the way. I think having a game where there's absolutely no combat would be a mistake. What they what they ended up doing, I think they hit the sweet spot because combat is important in this game, 
but you can't. It's not the kind of game where you just go in guns blazing. You won't get past the third screen. That's that's not the way right. you play it. And I think that's what makes it fun. Now, some people are probably wondering, hey, why are these two dipsticks going on and on about the MSX version of this and the history? Because it's all sort of plays in to ultimately what got released on the Amiga and what didn't. Because when this game came to the NES, there were wholesale changes made to it. Now, I looked into this a little bit. Uh, I've read a couple of news articles, and I'll, also on the wiki they talk about it a little bit. And basically, for what it boils down, you tell me this meshes with what you heard, Boat. So this got ported by a whole different section of Koinami that, uh, that he didn't have any uh, sway with, basically. And so they told them, they said, listen, when you move this over to NES, make it different, as different as you can. And they gave them three months to do it. And they gave them a list of what they they wanted stuff to be different. Now, I don't. that's all I said. I don't know why they wanted that. I have no idea what the reasoning was, but they gave these guys a minimal amount of time. And so what you ended up getting on the NES is a, I mean, it's sort of a different game. It's not, but it is. The stuff in the original game on the MSX2 is is out of sequence. Sometimes it's not there. They add a lot more outdoor stuff. The opening's completely different. Uh, it, they they effectively they get rid of the Metal Gear because they couldn't actually get that to work. So they've got a big computer. That's what yeah. I read, which is weird. Uh, and so what got ported to all the home systems in America, the the DOS version, the NES version, the C64 version, they were all ports of the NES version of this game. Mm-hmm. What and, and what the Amiga port would have been would have been a port of the NES version. What Hoffman did, to his credit, someone dumped the MSX2 cartridge. All right. I listened to Hoffman talk about this. And so he would they were able to basically reverse engineer the the cartridge and use some of that to to port this game over, okay? So it's not it's not emulation and it's not uh it's not a straight up it's not it's not like they it's not a transcode per se, right? And so what the, the result of this is is that they've ha- they have a game here and I cuz I actually loaded up the MSX2 and tried this and I mean they're practically identical did you try this on the msx2 have you ever played this on there you know i didn't think to fire it up even though it's probably on the mister isn't it yeah it is and and, and it it, it's that they play i mean they did a great job okay Mm -hmm. so we'll go there oh you know what i take it back i did i did i played this on coin ops yeah yeah i um the only thing i i felt like at least i felt the amiga version ran just a little bit slower I felt that your character movement was a little bit slower on the Amiga versus the MSX, but graphically uh, almost identical. Of course, all the music is different because Hoffman's calling card is is, is music. But uh, I mean, you would not know it unless you played them back to back or you were some sort of Metal Gear fiend. Now, I will say this, Boat, and you may have known this and maybe even changed it, but this supports 50 and 60 hertz. Uh, So you could have actually, chances are, if you're like me, you've got your mistress set on or, or your coin ops. Could have been playing the PAL version on NTS machine oh, or okay. vice versa. Oh, because the, the, he Hoffman built amongst the things Hoffman did that were brilliant. He messed. You could actually go back to the original effects in this. You could also change. Uh, this has full translations of the original European translation, the new translation, a Spanish translation. They had a Spanish uh, version of this in the game. Uh, so he went through and put a lot of different elements in the game that you could get the full experience from the game, which I appreciate that. Now. With all that said, <clears throat> that's the basis of the game. This is how the game got here. Now, 
How is this game? This game is a third-person, top-down, um, pseudo-isometric, not really isometric. It's, it's a 3D perspective where you're, you're, you're moving through environments that look like they have raised walls and things like that. You play as Solid Snake. And your job is to infiltrate a compound and rescue hostages, including the uh, the the former hotshot uh, special forces agent Gray Fox, and take out Metal Gear. Metal Gear is a mech, a nuclear armed mech, one of those big Japanese robot mechs. Okay, and so uh, to aid you in your journey. Uh, you have communications abilities. So one of the innovative things about this game is that at certain points, you'll get a little, uh, you'll you'll hear a sound like a phone ringing and you'll see a thing that says call pop up in the bottom of the screen. You hit the button and you actually, the screen goes away and you see a comm screen with your photo on one side and the photo of the person you're talking to on the other. And it simulates you getting a call on a radio, you know, a you think about like a Vietnam War style radio where you're tuning in and uh, you actually have to tune to certain frequencies to hear messages. It's a really, really neat effect. Um, and so uh, you're, you you get your sort of mission briefings as you move through the story. Uh, one of the things that Kojima is famous for is his cinematic approach to game stories. And so, um, you know, in this game, you're, the story is fed to you through these communications. In future games, that is expanded upon greatly, and you have more cinematic cutscenes and stuff like that. But in this game, of course, being his first game, it's pretty stripped back. But it's still an innovative way to tell a story as you're experiencing it yeah so as solid snake you move through uh this 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 enemy fortress uh and it's and you have to uh you know basically rescue hostages that's what you do the majority of the game but you move through and you find different items there's a whole range of weapons there are pistols and rocket launchers uh there's a silencer you can put on your pistol that makes you more stealthy so you can shoot guys without you know alerting everybody else in the room uh there's the infamous cardboard box that you can hide in (laughs) and scoot around in plain sight um and you also have things like a gas mask that you have to don in certain places. And so you have two slots, basically. You have your, your weapons slot or your item slot, and then you also have your key card slot. You have to collect key cards. And so you're basically you know, maneuvering your way through this maze-like fortress, uh, trying to find and destroy Metal Gear. And as you said, uh, in uh, one of the major disappointments of many disappointments of the NES version is that when you reach the end of the NES version, you don't actually see metal gear he's not in the game uh you see a big supercomputer super lame they said that was a hardware limitation if you can believe that you know when you (laughs) when you play the nes version and you go back to the msx version the msx2 was superior to the nes uh and so it does not look as good the graphical fidelity is not as great however when you watch the 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 uh the pivotal metal gear fight i don't think metal gear actually moves around it's like yeah it doesn't move a bit that's why i find it hard to believe that they couldn't simulate metal gear on the nes i call shenanigans on (laughs) that one. i do when i read that i'm like are you kidding me because it's not like he's dancing around shooting he doesn't do anything yeah yeah so that that's basically the the game in a nutshell um now aaron do you do you like this style of game do you find this sort of game appealing well this game when you tell me when you when I think NES like action, which gives this is the game that comes to my mind because it's got all the, the earmarks of a game that I remember when Brent was here. Now you're more of an NES guy than I am, but I mean 
this is the kind of game that I remember Brent having playing a lot, this sort of thing, it, where you go on this long adventure. It's complicated. It's hard. Like it's t- it's it, uh, it they it's it's real confusing sometimes. I would say this is probably uh, a third more confusing than the NES version, just because it's it both are difficult. I think the NES version parts of it hold your hand, especially at the beginning, a lot more than this one. Oh, I'm, I totally disagree. Really, I could not just, disagree more. Like right at the beginning, beginning of the NES game, there's sort of only one way you can go. Well, yeah, but there's there's sort of only one way you can go right into the hands of the enemy where you'll die repeatedly. But that's that's both versions. But no, no, it's not both versions. I was able to get and rescue a hostage, two hostages in this game before I died the first time. Okay, but let me in Metal Gear for the NES, you can bear, you cannot get to the compound without dying. It's a trial by death thing because you have to negotiate your way through the woods, and there's a set path that you have to take. Or else you'll just be shot and be killed. But that's the difference is you can go th- you can go. I got all the way to the to the first hostage in in on, on the uh, Amiga Metal Gear, right? The MSX and then, version. And then I got to the room with the gas, and I'd never went. I didn't know there was a route to get the gas mask. I had no idea. Well, yeah, but that's the game. That's Metal right, Gear. Right, but I mean on the on the NES version, they don't. There's no at the beginning at least. There are no other routes. You you will go and get the truck, and it takes you right there. And at least there you, I mean, even if it's harder, you know where you're going. Versus this one, there's a lot more exploration. Don't get me wrong, it's doable. But I mean, you, I could, I thought the, the NES one was a little bit simpler at the beginning in terms the of the NES you game. There. The NES game starts in a horrible way. You, okay, you you parachute in, which yeah. is cool. I think that's the whole that reason why cool. they wanted yeah. you to do that. But starting you off in the woods and making you go through seven or eight screens before you get to before you even get to the place where you're supposed to start the game, that's no good. That's an unnecessary introductory sequence versus the MSX version and the Amiga version. You start out swimming outside the compound. You swim up through the boat because every good compound needs a moat. I mean, yeah. that's just how it is. And so you swim up and then you're in the game and then boom, you immediately understand this is a stealth game. You could play for years on the NES version and not realize that it's a stealth game because it gives you no opportunities for stealth. It, it gives you the opportunity to die a whole bunch until you figure out the exact right way to walk, but that's it. It is strange that they made that change because I will admit uh, the the uh, MSX version through and the uh, and the Amiga version they throw you right into the action. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the uh, the other things that make me think this is an NES game, or especially a Japanese one, is just the it's it's wacky. It's this is if you I mean if you actually follow the story, it's it's a goofy story with a lot of dangling carrots, a lot of weird plot elements to it that don't make a lick of sense. Especially the ending of this game doesn't make a lick of sense. The <laughs> and up to the point where you get to the end. You think, at least I did, I thought, I didn't get to the end, by the way, but I did end up watching the whole thing. I got fairly well into it. But you think that your contact is a complete idiot. Like, they'll radio you after you're already in a horrible situation to be like, oh, by the way, Mm -hmm. there's a horrible situation up ahead. You're like, I'm in it. It happens over and over and over in this game. And at the end, it makes sense. But at the beginning, you just think this is total. Like, I was in that gas room. But here's the thing, man. And the phone kept ringing. I'm like, who can call me now? And he's like, be careful. There's gas. It's like, I'm in it. This game came out in 1987. And it tells a story. It tells a real story with a plot twist, with things that don't make sense at the beginning that then reveal themselves in the end. I mean, this game 
is a masterpiece of 8-bit storytelling. There are just not any other games I don't that do that what this all. game does. I think Tell me another game is, that tells a story as well as this. Listen, it's this, the story in this is, I don't know why you it would ballyhoo it. It's it's the old, everything's a dangling carrot. Go get this guy. Oh, he's not in this building. He's tell in me about building. Tell me about the epic story in Hybris. How's that go? Listen, Hybris is a shooter, folks. Okay, Listen, tell me about any any game. Tell me I'm about not... any action game on the Amiga that tells an Listen. awesome story in 1987. Listen, I, I, Wings. There you go. Wings tells That's a great story. That's not from 1987. What? I can't just pull this stuff out of my memory bank. I barely remember how to get home tonight. You want me to pull one out? The point of this is... This you even you both. I'm not saying it has no story, but it's a story where you rescue someone. Then they say, "Oh, they're not here." Then you got to go here. Then you got to go there. Then you go to get the professor, and he's like, "Well, you got to get my daughter first. And just keep doing this over and over. And then the ultimate ending of this game. And I hate to spoil it, but I'm going to. When you find out that your contact is actually the enemy, and none of it made any sense up to that point. Why would he send you in the first place? Doesn't make any. It doesn't make a lick of sense. It was weird. Of course, the all that said, it's amusing. I didn't. It wasn't boring. I will say that, but it was weird. It wasn't some kind of like end all be all mega plot. Now I don't play a lot of like Final Fantasy games and stuff. People talk about how great the plots are to those, and maybe they're better than this, and maybe they're not. I don't know. But I thought the plot of this was just very NES like. But again, way. again, in 1987, action games did not have plots. That's the point I'm trying. I will to make. say Commando, for example, not a big plot. Ikari Warrior. That, that, that's a all huge I'm plot. saying. I'm I'll not saying you, you should put this up for an Oscar. I'm saying compared to the games in the genre released at the time, this was leagues ahead of it. All that said, the plot is sort of irrelevant. I mean, it's it's sort of there, but I mean, the action and the and the way you play this game is definitely the whole different. There's nothing on the Amiga like this. There's probably nothing else on the NES like this. This is a real unique game because the strategy element is is really cool. They also it, there's a lot of free there's they let you do a lot of stuff. You can do different stuff. You can blow up walls. You know, you can uh you can kind of go at your own pace. You can make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. There's nothing there that's just the way it is. Uh they there's lots and, and of And here this is a game. This is an action game that rewards patience. So, you know, you're when whenever you enter a room and you see guys patrolling around, you know, your first instinct as an action game player is to go in there guns blazing where you're going to die. A lot of times the game makes you wait until something happens. Like one of the guards will say, okay, shift change. And yeah. then they'll move out, you know? Yeah. And again, this is just, it, it flies in the face of the, of, of all of the troops of the genre that says that everything is automatically coming to get you all the time Yeah. versus, you know, you sort of trigger the action when you feel like you're ready for it. That's the fun of this game. I mean, this game is still fresh today, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I, that said, I've only played Metal, the the PlayStation sequel to this. I played for a little while, you know, and it's very similar. I mean, when I say that, it's in you know 3D or whatever. But the the this game still plays great. Now, I saw some people when I was reading reviews, uh, user reviews of this, they were kind of complaining that it didn't get enough of a, a Amiga polish to it. Uh, and of course, the sound was upgraded. The sound effects were upgraded, and they were upgraded substantially. I might add. Yeah. So I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's the, a big change. The, the music sounds like Amiga music. Uh, yeah, for better sound, or and worse, the sound effects it, too. Right. Uh, yeah. If you're looking, I think that you should play both versions because the 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 music on the MSX version is good too. But it's the difference between 16 bit sound and 8 bit sound. Right. Uh, the uh, the 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 game. Would you? 
Let me ask you this, but would you want this game, if if Hoffman said, like, let's screw it, let's really give this a big upgrade visually, you know, how would you have felt about that? I'm not sure well, if you, you want to do that. If you, know you I mean? look at the sequel, if you look at the sequel to Metal Gear, Metal Gear 2, not Snake's Revenge, but the actual Metal Gear 2, that's basically what the game is. The sprites are a little bit bigger. They're a little bit more detailed. To yeah. me, I don't think that would make the game any more fun. And it would make no. things an order of magnitude more complicated for Hoffman. Yes. Who yes, was, yeah, exactly. and, and, and at the end of the day, I don't think the juice would have been worth the squeeze. And I mean, you've well said. I like that. The The truth of the matter is, here's Hoffman porting this over. It's a freebie, okay? Right. He puts this out here. He also does his own mod files in here. And, and this guy, he's a pro. When this guy cranks out a mod file, people are like, hey, holy crow. So just bare minimum, you've got a bunch of new Hoffman stuff to go into this game. On top of that, he did port the whole game, and it's a solid port. I never ran into any sort of issues with it at all. Stuff that I thought was goofy, it was exactly the same in the MSX version. And it was exactly the same in the NES version. You can go into rooms over and over and load up on ammo and stuff. I remember that from when me and Britt played it. Mm-hmm. You know, That's built into the game. So if you say to yourself, well, this thing's screwed up, it's not. That's just the way the game is. And that's part of the game. If you start monkeying with stuff like that, you're changing. You're fundamentally changing the game, and you can't do that. So right. uh, uh, I think he made the right call. I don't think, I mean, there were tweaks. There were even some graphical tweaks here and there. But I mean, going the way he did was the right move. Uh, this game, if you know exactly what you're doing and no one does, you could you could run through this thing a couple hours. But I can tear it down. This is like weeks of work if you're just your average yeah. guy that's trying to yeah. work. Because I mean, I because sat you, here you, and, you are. You're you're negotiating various challenges. Yeah. Okay. You've got the challenge of, you know, how do I get past or defeat these enemies? Yeah. How do I negotiate this maze-like labyrinth of a fortress? You know, where you've got multiple locations. You've got to take trucks to different locations and things like that. Three, how do I find all the items that I need and use the items in the correct way? And four, how do I advance the plot by freeing the hostages, finding the professor, etc.? So there's a lot going on in this game. And you've got, there are aspects of this game that are, I'd like to meet the guy that figured them out originally. I went through, I found someone that did a full playthrough on the Amiga. Because I mm-hmm. wanted to see how, because I heard the ending was different. And it is. Uh, and I wanted to see what it looked like and everything. And I can t- I watched this guy play. And I also had already watched someone play the MSX2 version. They're brutally similar, but by that I mean they're both ridiculously difficult. Uh, yeah. I mean, this game was a double challenge for anyone that would attempt to go beat it. I got, mm-hmm. I got a, what I thought was a pretty good amount of way in for the amount of time I had to play it. But I mean, this game is a, 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 I mean, this is a real adventure here when you go on to this. And there's some real abstract areas when you're out in the desert and stuff, and a lot of tricky stuff that you wouldn't get right out of the gate. Uh, this I like the save element in this. Hoffman sets you up good with save uh, save slots on this. You know, uh, I use this on the Mister and on my, uh, uh, I put it also on the uh, 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 the Amiga package from Cloanto, Amiga Forever. And it worked fine there as well. Uh, I had no problems with this. It only requires boat. It requires five twelve K chip and five twelve anything else. So it'll wow. run on practically anything. Yeah, uh, I mean he. I got to give my. I got to give hats off to Hoffman here on this. You know, I didn't know Hoffman much as a, as a, uh, uh, you know, a programmer, you know, to be honest with you, that's why I was a music guy. He actually has done some stuff. He did a game called uh, Minsky's. He did uh, uh, Starquake, uh, Where Time Stood Still. Those were all games he was involved in. So he actually, you know, he's got chops. I never knew that, uh, to be honest with you. Um, I looked around to see there were. It's not like there was a ton of reviews on this, but it's funny. I thought this would be 
maybe I'm crazy, but I'm going to ask you this. Maybe and you tell me if I'm an idiot or not. So we knew about this coming out. We covered it a long time ago. And it came out, and I thought, man, this is going to be the biggest deal, you know. And it doesn't seem like it got a whole lot of press. I know, I mean, to, to me, did you see it? I know Amiga Bill played the beta uh, with Hoffman there. But aside from that, I haven't seen a whole lot of people talking about it, and I can't for the life of me figure out why. Am I missing something here? I think what it all comes down to is people, Amiga people, associate Metal Gear with the NES and the NES is part of the reason why their youth was destroyed because oh. it helped kill the Amiga. Oh, come on, and that's they deep. want nothing. I, I'm dead serious as a heart attack. On, I guarantee bro. you that's the reason. <laughs> well, listen, the one thing about I like about this is like because you could go and emulate the MSX. All right, we did it. It worked. Mm-hmm. It works. But if you play this on the Amiga, okay, it'll work on anything. It's got new music. You've got all these different translations of the text. You've got the different outputs for the for frequency for the monitor plus on top of everything else it also supports the cd32 stick which i used and it was great having all the buttons on there outstanding it's also got a uh, keyboard support if you just want to use your one boot your one button it's got a bootable disc and a whd load support it's got a hard drive install off disk. this thing the, yeah this thing has features to beat the band right i mean th- th- i guess what i'm saying is there it, there's a reason to play this as opposed to trying to emulate it on the MSX2, just because of the additional features. So I guess mm-hmm. to close out, I suggest giving this one a whirl, uh, Boat. Uh, the people in Lemon scored this a 7.63. I was surprised. I don't, honestly, I don't know what he could have done to do a better job. And I think this is an A title. Uh, Again, this is is people's ignorance and their bigotry against anything that has to do with the NES and the Amiga community. I don't know. It's hard to say. And maybe people, this is uh, very different than what you would probably be popular in a European crowd. It's good. Well, no. Now, let's not be nasty. Uh, There's plenty of good things on both sides, but this is is very Japanese. This is very Nintendo-y. But... Uh, it. I really enjoyed it, Boat, and I, I don't know if you thought I would, uh, because this is not normally my cup of tea, but it really is a unique game. Anybody that understands anything about gameplay and storytelling and putting it in perspective of the time that it was released can't admire or can't help but admire this game. Now, it's possible that if you just don't like stealth action, guess what? You're not going to like Metal Gear. Yeah, now that is, some people don't like stealth. If you look at the mechanics and you look at what it accomplished, uh, you have to admire the effort. And I will say this, and this is something we harp about over and over on not just the Amiga, but all the system. The interface in this, like, is great. Like, shuffling a million pieces of equipment and plus a, your guns, like I had no problem. Now you have to understand when to use stuff, how to use stuff. Can you use the key card while you've got on your gas mask? No, which is goofy. But I mean, it's part of the game, and it's no big deal. And, and switching them out takes a second. It works good. Uh, so I like that element too. Now you you are going to get lost. You know, you're going to not know what to do. That happened to me a bunch of times. But that's that's part of the game. You know, that's the way it is. But I enjoyed it, Boat. I, I, I'm going to give this one the thumbs up. Yeah, 
Me too. Me too. And if you uh, if you you know didn't give a second thought to Metal Gear, maybe maybe you thought maybe you played it on the NES and you didn't like it and you didn't realize this was a port of the MSX version. Whatever. If you haven't had a chance to play this, you really should. You really That's- should because it is. It's a great port. Hoffman did a great job. Yeah. And this is one of the games that, you know, influenced countless other games that followed it. You know, everything from Siphon Filter to... Yeah. Let's have a look at these, a couple of these comparisons here, just for fun, since we're, before we go out the door. So, I'm going to contend with you, both that this is the ultimate version of the original Final Gear. The Amiga version. This is the Amiga version against the MSX2. They're very, very similar. Uh, but yeah. one thing you get here, of course, is you get, especially if you get CD32 joystick, You've got that great stick, plus you've got all the extra sound and all the extra uh, tweaks that Hoffman put in with the language and stuff. Now, we talked about this versus the uh, the Nintendo version, so here's what those look like. Now, the Nintendo, like Boat said, the Nintendo was a, a step down from the MSX2, and so what you're getting here is just a, a much sharper uh, version than what you would have gotten on the NES, plus you're getting it in the in the way it was originally intended to be played. Yeah. So, which is which is that that is I mean the graphical graphical things aside and of course it does look better on the Amiga than the NES. Uh, this is the game that the way that it sh- you know that it was designed that it should have been played and that enough is a reason for you to 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 go with that version. There you go. That's it. That's all I got. Boat. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Despite the all right, wacky man. story. We come to the end of our Metal Gear review, but we're just getting started because Aaron, it's time to talk about what's been going on on the Amigos Retro Gaming YouTube channel this week. Short week, Boat, as you know. Just a couple things to go over here. Uh, myself and the Brent were back at it on, on Sunday, Boat, uh, with uh, ARG Presents. And this week we looked at Laserdisc games. We had our, This is probably the last go-around with this piece. Uh, Brent looks to be dressed like the girl from Willy Wonka. Well, so if, in case you're wondering why Brent looks like that, and I've been wondering that since he was born, but if he, he looks particularly <laughs> goofy in this episode. He told me he was dressed as Weird Al pretending to be Lady Gaga. So I don't know what that means. Listen, I went with the try-and-true hero straight from the Hacienda in California. That's Zorro, the Z-Man. I don't know what brand is. A disgrace. <laughs> you do look. You do make a good Zorro. Thank you, my you friend. That. Now, all that said, uh, Boat, I thought this was a pretty fun episode. We looked at a couple interesting Lasers games. I took a look at the Us versus Them uh, same guy that designed Cubert made this boat. Uh, and unfortunately, this is a game that sort of fell short of what they had hoped to do with it. This was sort of a, the next generation of Mach 3. But they it's it's they got the laser part right, but the hit detection stinks, and they used the Psygnosis Blood Money-style enemy, uh, just random shapes on the mm-hmm. screen flying around, no dice. You know how much I hate that. Yeah. Now, I, you got to give the Brent credit. He went way outside the box, Boat. And picked an, a, a, a laser disc cinema release called "I'm Your Man." What makes this interesting, Boat, is this is a, uh, was released in the theaters on laser disc. He goes through the whole story, and it was in theaters where they had buttons set up to vote on which scenes you would see next. It's like a big video choose your own it, adventure. It boggles it boggles the mind that it costs seventy thousand dollars to outfit the theater with the with the button gimmick. Well, also the well, I mean, it doesn't surprise me because you're also having to get the laserdisc player and stuff too. And plus seventy pay, grand. Hey, that listen, just, that, I'm, I'm not, not saying that it is untrue. I'm just saying that's crazy. That's government money. Yeah, it so, is. So, uh, uh, listen, you can play this. In fact, there's a link 
uh, down below the show. You can go watch I'm Your Man right now with all the interactivity on the web. I, and I've done it many times. This turned out to be fairly amusing, but I don't know if you tried it or not. But yeah, if you I, I have not tried this. If you yeah. haven't tried it, give it a chance. I, when Brent said he was going to pick this, of course, I poo-pooed it. Uh, but he fulfilled all the requirements of the category because it was a laser disc release. And, and he also owns the physical DVD he release. He bought the DVD. So <laughs> if you want to check that out, I really, I really sincerely I wish more people would try this because it's actually pretty wacky. And it's exactly in line. Whoa, HSI just said he saw it in a theater. Well, there's yeah. one guy. Um, <laughs> this is right in line with what Netflix is doing right now with the Bandersnatch with uh, 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 Chase for The Undertaker, wherever they escaped The Undertaker, those those interactive movies. This would fit right on, you could put it right on there. So that was fun. We had a good time with that. The only, only other offering we've got to talk about this week, Bo, we just hot off the presses. It's uh, Ask the Amigos, where we're confronted with many questions, Bo. Uh, this one's fresh on my mind since we just did it. And you picked, of all the questions asked, as the headliner, you picked, why did you switch from the Amiga to the PC? A very riveting question, in my opinion. It was a painful day when that happened. Uh, but we had a lot of fun with this. Uh, we went about 45 minutes. Do you remember anything in particular out of this one? No. <laughs> well, only, only, the, only the question that I made the thumbnail for. Once we, you know, those shows are so much fun to do because I don't have to remember what goes on after we finish. Yeah, I thought it was fun, and I I enjoyed it. I always enjoy those, and we're hoping sometime in the near future to do a live version of this. Yeah, call using in the version. conversations from the dark side technology yes. to uh, to do a live call in version. If we can get some, of course, we'd have to get some people to actually do it, but it'd be fun. So that's that's pretty much all the video action we've got this week. But it's a short week. I'm sure next week we'll have a bumper crop of of sweet action. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, Aaron. Well. Before we announce what's coming up next week, I do want to thank everybody that has donated to our Extra Life campaign through Amigathon uh, throughout this past year. You know, Aaron, we raised uh, $7,336 Amazing. This year, Amazing. Uh, through bro. Amigathon. Of course, all of that money goes directly to Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Uh, we appreciate everybody who uh, took part and donated uh, some people very, very generous. Uh, we're so lucky to have a community that, uh, that is, is so generous. So thank you guys. And uh, this was just a special little cap off to the uh, extra life season and every, all the totals are going to roll over after today and uh, we'll get to work on Amigathon 2022. It'll be here before you know it, Aaron. You know, I just want to say getting back to the Amigathon, listen, this has been a, it's been a rough year and, when you have a year like this, charity can be difficult, right? And it's also more important than it's ever been because there were a lot of people that had it real bad, especially uh, you know over the past uh, uh, eighteen months or so. It's been real rough, and it is a it is a badge uh, of honor on the, on the Amiga community, the Amigos community. Uh, the goodwill that was shown was it blew me away. It restored my faith in humanity. And uh, it did not go unnoticed. And we appreciate you guys. Every year you guys come out and give these kids uh, a little time and a little money. And we really appreciate it. You guys did a great job. And thank you very much on behalf of the kids and myself and Boat. Yes, yes. Now, Aaron, next week on Amigos, we'll be back 
on our normal time, Friday evening, at uh, and this is going to be Friday, uh, November the 12th, uh, we are going to be talking all about the game Street Rod, Aaron. Street Rod. Okay, I don't, I've never played that one, Boat. That'll Me be neither. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this was a chosen, nominated by Amigos Game Selection Committee member Paul, a.k.a. Hermsky, mm. and we do appreciate all of the fine folks on the committee that choose the games that we play each and every week. Um, and so, yeah, Street Rod, it's going to be a good one. Uh, and, uh, of course, we'll be back with the week's worth of Amiga news and ridiculous banter. So we hope to see you all then. Thank you for watching us and listening. We will see you next time. Until then, adios. Adios.